Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can also check us out at patreon.com backslash sonicsinema. And also I will be streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash sonicscuttlelemur. We have finally, mercifully reached the end of the award season with the Academy Awards coming up this coming Sunday. And with it, my annual top 10 list, as well as my look at the Academy Awards and the categories, as well as my personal uh, predictions for what will win. Um, th this has been an exceedingly long award season, and I hope that we do not see another one anytime soon. Uh, I've been over this award season, honestly, since February. Um, I will say, uh, this, this was a truly fantastic year for movies. I saw over 400 shorts and feature films that I am considering for the 2020 movie year. Uh, many of them seen at film festivals like Sundance, Fantasia Fest, the Atlanta Film Festival, and the Women in Horror Film Festival. This was a really exciting year in the long run. And one of the things, and I really did not miss the major movies at all. I'm looking forward to them coming back. But most of the uh, big escapism, I didn't really miss it, uh, which, um, which speaks to the variety that we were given throughout the rest of the movie year. And uh, before we get to that um, and my top 10, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the Oscars this year, as well as offer my predictions for why I think we'll win. I with with the exception I think of probably best visual effects I don't think any of the categories really suffered for most of the major studios um punting on 2020 for 2021 because of theater closures and covid I think the uh the expansion of what we've seen from streaming services definitely helped that and uh, they delivered some really terrific cinema. And I'm, I'm looking forward to wrapping up what my favorites of the year are in this podcast. And I, uh, I have to say, this, this is, there are some of these categories that are legitimately some of the best uh, sets of nominees I've ever seen. And we're going to go ahead and start with the acting categories. I'm going uh, right down the, the Oscar page with the uh, categories here. Best actor in the leading role. You have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, the late Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. If I'm being perfectly honest, while well, Gary Oldman is perfectly fine in Mank, if you were to replace him with Delroy Lindo and Defy Bloods, I truly think this would be one of the great best actor lineups of all time. Uh, the other four 
are absolutely stellar performances. Uh, my personal favorite is Riz Ahmed. If you follow me on social media, you know how much I've been a uh, cheerleader for Sound of Metal since I saw it in December. Uh, Chadwick Boseman is probably going to win the posthumous Oscar for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's a shame that this is basically the one chance the Academy has to offer one of the great uh, lead actors of his generation. And I, I, he, even though he is behind Ahmed and Hopkins for my personal list in terms of his performance, I, I think he's completely deserving of it. And I, even if it's posthumous, I will accept, I have no problem whatsoever with him winning an Oscar for his final film role because his, his final film role is a fantastic one, it is a rich one, it is a complex one, and it is one that he brought fire, fury, and pain to, which is indicative of how Chadwick Boseman performed in any of his roles, whether it was Black Panther, whether it was... Uh, Jackie Robinson, or even as um, <clears throat> even as the uh, first round draft pick in Draft Day, so Chadwick Boseman is my prediction for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Yes, Anthony Hopkins could theoretically win for Best Actor, but I really don't think the Academy at large will miss the chance to honor the late great Chadwick Boseman. For Best Actor in a Supporting Role, this is basically Daniel Kuluwa's uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah's Fred Hampton. It's his to lose. Um, my personal pick is Paul Racy. He was wonderful in Sound of Metal. He broke my heart in Sound of Metal. But uh, Fred Hampton was the role of a lifetime for Kaluuya. And he did a phenomenal job, and he's going to win, and he deserves to win. Uh, Lakeith Sanfield, I don't know why he's in the supporting actor category, but he's just as good in arguably the harder role. Best actors in a leading role. Um, this is a, Another one where, like Best Actor, this is probably one of the best groups of five in this category I think we've ever seen. Uh, even if Andrew Day, who played Billie Holiday in the United States versus Billie Holiday, is just in an okay movie, uh, it's a terrific performance. If I had my pick, it would be Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. She is wonderful in the movie. I'm leaning towards Andrew Day, uh, sort of similar to what we saw with uh, Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland last year. I think the biopic is going to win. Uh, if it's not Mulligan, Frances McDormand, if she hadn't won a few years ago, I would say she definitely would win for Nomadland. But I could... Although the irony of me saying that is that Viola Davis won a few years ago, and I would completely take her winning for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, my prediction, though, I do have to say is probably Andrew Day for 
the United States versus Billie Holiday, becoming the first black actress since Halle Berry to win a lead actress Oscar. For actress in a supporting role, uh, all due respect to Glenn Close, um, no real respect to Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, Yoon Jong Yeon, I apologize for butchering that name, for Minari is the going to be the clear winner in this category, and she's she gave the best supporting role from an actress in a movie this year. She was absolutely beautiful in Minari, and I I have some thoughts on how Minari is going to go that I'll share a bit later. So best animated feature. Uh, this is probably going to go to Peak Doctor Soul, which personally would be my vote because I thought it was a wonderful film, and it's another great existential uh, exploration from Pete Doctor. I will say though, if Wolf Walkers, which is currently available on Apple Plus One, I would be perfectly fine with that because it is a stunningly beautiful fairy tale uh, fantasy movie. And uh, it, there's been some controversy because of the domination of Pixar. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people want to see Wolf Walkers win. I would like to see Wolf Walkers win for the variety, admittedly, because while so Pixar has won, I can't say that Pixar has won for a movie that didn't deserve it. I don't think that's the case, but... It's won a lot, and I would like to see some variety in this category going forward. Uh, and Wolf Walkers would completely fit that bill, but Soul is probably going to be the winner here. And honestly, it I think it deserves it. For best cinematography, it would be wonderful for me as a fan of The Crown Dark City to see Darius Wolski win an Oscar for News of the World. Uh, Mank could conceivably win for its black and white cinematography, but I think Nomadland is going to be the clear winner. Uh, the cinematography by Joshua James Richards is just stark and beautiful in that movie, and it is just absolutely a wonderful film to watch. I wish I had the chance to see it on IMAX. That would have been an amazing experience. For best costume design, uh, I I think Ma Rainey's Black Bomb is going to be the clear winner here, and deservingly so. It's a terrific... Uh, it's great uh, designs of costumes for periods, for a period that doesn't often get uh, recognized in this category. I will admit I have a soft spot for the Pinocchio movie, which surprisingly engaged me. And Emma was wonderful, but Ma Rainey's Black Bomb is the clear choice. For best directing, uh, if anybody other than Chloe Zhao wins for Nomadland, it will be the upset of the night. There's not much to be said about that. She's I think she's literally won every precursor to uh, <clears throat> to the Oscars, and I think she's going to be uh, taking home the Oscar when it's all said and done. Uh, best documentary feature. This is actually a lovely group of five, and for me to say that when three of my favorites of 
2020 aren't even included uh, speaks well of the uh, group that they selected. Um, the favorite right now is the Octopus Teacher, which I think is a worthy favorite, but honestly, I can see time surprising here. I, I think it's the timeliness of the... Uh, of the subject matter and just the artful way that it tells that subject is uh, is something worth checking out. It's on Prime. Same with My Octopus Teacher that's on Netflix. That's great. Uh, I think my most surprising moment was watching The Mole Agent. I, I think if I had a uh, dark horse that would like to see win, that would be my choice. It was just a wonderful piece of uh, documentary filmmaking and surprisingly approaching its subject. And I think that's something some of the best documentaries do. For documentary short subject, this is going to be an interesting category. I think in the end, though, it will be a concerto as a conversation. And uh, you can listen to my interview with Chris Bowers about what resonated with me for that one, but I can see Hunger Ward getting, Ward getting it. I can really see a love song for Latasha, which I finally saw yesterday, getting as well. Um, but in the end, I do think a concerto is a conversation is probably going to be the winner there. Best film editing is going to be an interesting one, and uh, this this is a category where there's usually a some sort of precursor to the best picture category. And I think this year that could either very much be the case or it won't be. Uh, if Trial of the Chicago 7, which won the Ace Award, gets it, I think you're looking at a very different ballgame for best picture. I think, but I do think it's going to be either Sound of Metal or Nomadland. The Father, I think, could surprise. Uh, it would be a worthy uh, winner because it's just a wonderful piece of uh, storytelling and a very unexpected one. So, But I think Sound of Metal will probably win this award. International feature film. I mean, this, this has another round written all over it. It's the far and away favorite. I would say that Quo Vadis Adi... Edda is uh, my personal favorite, and I think it's very much the best film in this category. Again, there were some others that could have been here that weren't, but uh, I, I think another round is going to be the clear uh, winner because of the best directing uh, nomination it received. For makeup and hairstyling, I think this is uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom again. It's going to be interesting to see how many Oscars that movie gets, considering the fact that it was not nominated for Best Picture. Um, theoretically, I can see Hillbilly Elegy winning. Uh, in a surprise, even Pinocchio is a wonderful uh, makeup film, but I think in the end it's going to be Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Best Original Score, this is a terrific group of five. I'm so glad that we got both of the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross collaborations uh, in Mank and Soul. Uh, Soul with some jazz pieces from John Baptiste included. 
There's a wonderful Western score by James Newton Howard in News of the World. Terrence Blanchard is left carrying Defy Bloods with its lone nomination. And the score from Minari is absolutely beautiful, but I think in the end it's going to be Reznor, Ross, and Batiste for Soul. And deservingly so, that is just a uh, tremendous piece of collaborative uh, film music. For best original song, uh, there, there are some interesting choices here. I think we are headed for Diane Warren winning her first Oscar for scene for The Life Ahead. My personal pick uh, is uh, Husevic from Eurovision Song Contest, though. I would love to see that one win. Um, I'd be curious to see if any of the other ones win, though. But I, I do think Diane Warren is finally head for first Oscar. Going to skip over Best Picture and save that for last. For Best Production Design, um, this is another one. This is going to be an interesting one. I, I think Mank is probably going to be the favorite just because it's old Hollywood. I can almost see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom winning it, though. I can see The Father winning it for its really intricate sound production design that is important to the film. And I can just see them going with Tenet because that is a well-produced uh, and well-designed film as well. But in the end, I do think Mank will uh, get it just because of the fact of how many Oscar nominations it has. For short film animated, uh, Burrow is a wonderful little short from uh, Pixar, but if anything happens, I Love You is about the grief after a mass shooting and just the wonderful animation that brings that story to life. I think it's, I, I think it's the clear winner. I, I really think it's the clear winner, and I would love to see it win. Short film live action. Uh, the animation and live action, I there were one in each category that I was unable to see, but um, the four I saw in live action short film are all very good and would be very worthy uh, nominees. I think my personal pick is Feeling Through, but... I would have to say uh, Two Distant Strangers, which is about a black man who wakes up after a uh, night with a woman and is going home and continually has visions of being gunned down by police and killed by uh, police officers. I think the, the way this film approaches that subject in its structure, in the emotion in the energy for it, I, I think it's going to uh, be the winner here. Best sound, this is, I think this is the first year in a cup in several years that the sound categories have been combined. Greyhound is, Greyhound is a tremendous piece of sound mixing for the genre but the far and away best of the year's Sound of Metal. And it is absolutely 
it, it's absolutely uh, a staggering piece of sound design and uh, sound mixing to help tell this story. And I, it's hard pre I'm hard-pressed to think of another one that did it better over the past few years. Best visual effects, like I said, this is a uh, category that I think with the lack of um, major films that came out uh, really kind of suffered in the nominations. That said, I think there are at least two very clear uh, ones that would deserve to win, though. Uh, Tenet, I think, for its visual effects is just absolutely wonderful. And uh, Love and Monsters for the creature effects that it does is absolutely wonderful. I do think Tenet will win. Um, but it's, it's going to be an interesting to see what happens in that category because I know Midnight Sky did well in the Guild uh, Awards. So we'll, we'll see. But I do think Tenet will end up winning. For Best Adapted Screenplay... I think this is kind of between The Father and Nomadland. I think Nomadland is probably going to be the more likely scenario, but I, I can see The Father winning as well just because of how complex that um, screenplay is and how it presents information to the audience. Best Original Screenplay. I, I think this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Promising Young Woman, as divided as it has been, is the clear favorite. But I can see Minari winning Best Original Screenplay as well if, the, if Love for the Academy runs deep with that film. And if they go in a particular way with The Trial of the Chicago 7 with uh, Aaron Sorkin's screenplay winning it. And I, I think in the end it will be a promising young woman, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes. And that brings us to Best Picture. Um, I do think the favorite in this category is Nomadland, I think it's the one that's most likely to win. Like I said, though, if uh, if the screenplay for Trial of Chicago 7 wins, though, do not be surprised if that wins Best Picture. Um, that being said, I also would not be surprised in a bit of a shock if Minari wins Best Picture as well. I think it. I think it's ultimately down to those three. Um, Minari would be, and Minari would be a wonderful choice. And I think Minari and Nomadland hit on similar emotional issues, but in very different ways. Uh, I, I think both would be completely worthy. Uh, in the end, I think Nomadland will probably win out, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Minari shocked and won Best Picture as well. So those are my thoughts on the Academy Awards, which bring me to my top 10 list of 2020. And how on earth do you, how, how on earth do you uh, 
sum up a movie year where you saw 400 features and shorts into just 10 films. And that's not easy. Uh, it really is not easy. There were so many wonderful films that I saw. Um, ones that didn't make my top 10, but were completely worthy. Uh, Baccarat, The Assistant, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Defy Bloods, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, The Miseducation of Bindu, For the Sake of Vicious, Lynch as History, Takuza's Barbara, Cinema Premier, Another Round, The Invisible Man, The Trip to Greece, Possessor. Wow, that's that's quite a list right there. And um, all of those are outside my top ten. You also have Curtis, which I loved seeing at the Atlanta Film Festival. Minari, which was a wonderful film. Quo Vadis Ida, which I already talked about. Shirley, The Wretched. If you're going short films, Valerio's Day Out was a great one that I saw at the Atlanta Film Festival. Uh, Taxi Cab Ride with Jesus was a short film that ponders um, Jesus in the modern age and was just wonderful to watch. Uh, Blur and the Shadow, which are two horror shorts that I saw at the Women in Horror Film Festival. Many of Jeremiah Kipp's short films, The Bells, Naruto Poem 15, Naruto Son 17, uh, Old Man Forever from Nicholas Duarte, Yesteryear from Chris Esper, The Assassination of Western Civilization by Nick Nathan Schurer, and as well as his two pandemic films, uh, Far From Perfect and Comic Book Junkies. There's such a wealth of cinema that was available this year, and I encourage you to check it out. Um, I have this, I have my list of films I saw this year on Letterboxd, and it is completely worth diving into. So with that being said, uh, that brings us to my top 10 films of 2020. And we are going to begin with number 10, which is Feels Good Man uh, by Arthur Jones. It is a documentary looking at the infamous Pepe the Frog and how he went from being a character in a cult comic book to a symbol of the far-right and uh, extreme-right political ideologies in the age of Trump. And the... Uh, journey it's his creator had in trying to bring him back from that fate. This is probably my favorite political documentary in a good long while, probably in about 20 years or so. And this was just a wonderful film. And I, I loved watching it. I loved experiencing it at Fantasia Fest. It's one that you can go back and rewatch and just enjoy. It's one that makes you think. It's one that inspires you. And I I absolutely loved it. It was this is one of three documentaries on my top ten list 
which shows just how good this year was for documentaries. Uh, number nine is another documentary. It was one that technically did not get its release in 2020 for uh, legal reasons, but it's one that I saw and one I will always consider as part of 2020. That is Ku 53 from Taghi Amirani. And it's a film that he and Walter Mersch put together in telling the story of Operation Ajax, which was the CIA and MI6 stage coup in 1953 in Iran that overthrew the uh, democratically elected government of Iran. It is a riveting mystery. It is an intriguing piece of journalism. And it's one that, if you get a chance to watch it, it's worth watching. And it, it really brings, us, brings home history in a unique perspective that I think is something that uh, is much needed at times when it comes to uh, at least America and uh, the way we conduct things abroad. Number eight is Bleed With Me from Amelia Moses, and this is a film that I saw at Fantasia Fest. And it's the story of a young woman who's invited to the woods into to a cabin for the weekend by her friend and uh, boyfriend for a bit of relaxation and she comes to suspect something about her best friend that is quite horrific actually this was far and away the best film i saw at fantasia fest and i really love talking to amelia moses as well as the lead actresses lee marshall and lorraine Beatty. uh about the film you can see that you can hear that on uh the Sanxima podcast and it's it's just a really intriguing film to explore when it comes to codependency and about the emotions of uh gang past trauma and it's i i think that's something that's really intriguing about this film it's one of the great examples of using genre to tell an emotional story Number seven is the, this was a late edition actually, is the short film If Anything Happens I Love You, which I already talked about when it came to the Oscar discussion. And it this movie rattled me. I was going to watch several short films I hadn't watched yet afterwards, but I couldn't, I couldn't get past this one because of the fact that it just blew me away so much. And uh, it's it's worth checking out. It's on Netflix. It's a beautiful, heartbreaking story. Number six is or I don't know. Oh wow, I'm completely. Wow, I just listed two films that aren't on my top ten list. So excuse me, but that's fine. We'll continue because honestly, I mean, I saw over four hundred films, and honestly. 
Coup 53 and Feels Good Man are not in my top 10 list, but the fact is they were for a long time before other films uh, took over those slots in the end. So number 10 is Bleed With Me. Number 9 is If Anything Happens, I Love You. Number 8 is my favorite documentary of the film of the year, The Painter and the Thief. And this is about a story of a painter whose artwork is stolen and the relationship she has with, develops with the thief who stole them, who does not know where they are. And it's really quite a striking, um, it's a striking example of empathy. And I think that's one of the things that the best films in nineteen in 2020 explored was empathy and putting us within the experience of other people. And The Painter and the Thief did it better than any nonfiction film of 2020. It's currently on Hulu, and it really is... It's one that I've loved ever since I saw it in May. And it's... It's one of my. It's always. It's been my one of my favorite films of 2020. Number seven is Rent a Pal, which is an intriguing thriller about a lonely man who is constantly getting videotapes from a video dating service. It, the movie is set in 1990, and when he goes in one day, he finds this videotape called rent a pal and it's basically just a video of uh, an interactive video of a dare to be friends with um with them and it he is the guy on the videotape is played by will wheaton in one of my favorite performances of the year and it's i believe it's actually i do think it is on hulu right now uh, I think it's available and it's well worth checking out. It's got a terrific performance by Will Wheaton. If you want something dark and uh, painful to watch uh, about loneliness, Rent a Pal is definitely one worth watching. Number six is uh, Ken Loach's Sorry We Missed You. And this was a film that I saw right as theaters were closing. And it it is just a brutal look at the grind that people have to go through to make a living for themselves and their families. And it's, it has one of the biggest gut punches of an ending that I saw in 2020. And it's on Criterion Channel if you want to check it out. And uh, that's one of the things that's so great about this year is that so many of these films are available to watch on streaming because of the way 2020 worked out and they're making them more accessible to people quicker. So number six was Sorry We Missed You. Number five was Promising Young Woman. And this this film just really, it's a dark comedy. It's a revenge thriller. It is a... It, it is a painful look into the toxic masculinity that causes uh, men to just 
think with their penises, unfortunately, for lack of a better term. And Carrie Mulligan is a brilliant avenging angel in this film. I understand the criticism with it. There's some perfectly valid criticism in the movie, uh, but this movie just floored me. Number four is Amy Simetz's uh, She Dies Tomorrow, which has haunted me since I saw it in July, and when I saw it again in December, it just really continued to grab me. And it's about the... It's about the way that negative emotions can just completely overtake us uh, when we're talking about um, when we're having negative feelings like I'm going to die tomorrow. And as somebody who deals with anxiety and depression, somebody who has had moments of ideation it's really striking to see how Simetz was able to visualize that in an 81-minute movie. It's just a... It's one of the most experiential films of the year, and that's the one thing in common all four of these films have that you're going to hear about, is they're all within the experience of the characters. And... Few did that quite as brilliantly and as hauntingly as Amy Simons in She Dies Tomorrow. Number three is Nomadland, uh, Chloe Zhao's film, and it has a wonderful performance by Frances McDormand as somebody who, because of the economic hardships, has essentially taken the life of a nomad in modern-day America, and it's a starkly beautiful film. It's a wonderful testament to the American character while also being an indictment on the American system that allows for something like this to exist. And it's it's a wonderful film. It's on Hulu right now. It's It's... It's a movie that really captured me when I saw it in December, and it's it's if it wins Best Picture, there are far worse movies that could win that have won Best Picture than Nomadland. Number two is Sound of Metal uh, by Darius uh, Martyr, and this if it wasn't for the number one film on this list, this would very much be my number one film. Uh, but really, both of them are 1A and 1B at this point, because I've seen both of them three times, and both of them just shatter me in completely different ways. Uh, Riz Ahmed gives the best performance of 2020 as Ruben, who, a rock drummer who unexpectedly loses his hearing, and about his story of trying to build his life after that, what that's going to look like. And it it it's a movie that takes you on that experience with Ruben, with its sound design, with its cinematography, with its lack of music at times, with the performances by Riz Ahmed, Paul Racy, 
and uh, Olivia Cook, and it's it's a heartbreaking movie. It it really does. Every time I've seen it, it just inspires me, and it is it brings emotions out of me in a way that few movies are capable of. Uh, that brings us to my pick for the best film of 2020, and it is KXI's Black Lake, which I saw at the Women in Horror Film Festival for the first time. I've seen it twice since. And the the experience gets more and more remarkable every time I see it. And it is a film about an artist who goes to a Scottish uh home to relax and get inspired to create her aunt sends her a scarf for inspiration but it has a dark secret attached to it this has my favorite film music of the year in burning tapes soundtrack and it is like sound of metal is basically about the tearing down of its individual and evolving them into a completely new person by the end of it. And it does so in a way that is terrifying and haunting and just really took me to another level and I think took Sima to another level. It's been in my number one slot since I saw it. And it stayed there throughout the rest of the year, although Sound of Mel certainly came close. Uh, so my top 10 of the year are Bleed With Me, If Anything Happens, I Love You, The Painter and the Thief, Rent a Powell, Sorry We Missed You, Promising Young Woman, She Dies Tomorrow, Nomad Land, Sound of Metal, and Black Lake. That said, it's time to turn the page on the 2020 movie year, thankfully, and go to 2021. And this has been an interesting one so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out as movie theaters start to reopen. That's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. I will have more. I will have my coverage of the Atlanta Film Festival uh, over the next 10 days. That will be the next podcast. And uh, I've got some really exciting guests lined up for this summer, and I'm looking forward to uh, taking you on the journey with them and introducing you to them. They're people I've gotten to know online, and it's going to be a fun discussion whenever I have them on. Check us out at the Sonic Cinema Podcast on YouTube, Google, Apple, and Spotify Podcasts. Subscribe to the Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Check us out on twitch.tv backslash Scuttle Lemur. I'm usually on on Mondays and Thursdays. And also, of course, uh, check out our written work, my written work at www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.